everybody. Coming up on the Matt Townsend Show today, we are talking about first impressions. We hear about how important they are, right? But do they really matter? Does it make that big of a difference? And are we just that judgmental? We're going to discuss both sides of first impressions with our two great guests. That's coming up next on the Matt Townsend Show, right after Katie Jarvis and the news. Good afternoon. I'm Katie Jarvis with Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio News. Just over three months after the school massacre in Newtown, Connecticut, new legislation is about to become a law, including extensive gun curbs. One provision calls for the creation of the nation's first dangerous weapon offender registry. The House gave the bill a final passage early this morning, and the governor is signing it today. The pork and beef industries are renaming more than 350 cuts of meat to give them more consumer appeal. With the approval of the USDA, pork chops will now be known as Porterhouse and New York Chops. A beef boneless shoulder top blade steak will become a flat iron steak, but ground beef will stay ground beef. A large drugstore chain is expanding the reach of its in-store clinics beyond ankle sprains and sinus infections. Most of the 370 in-store Walgreens clinics will now diagnose and treat patients with some chronic conditions that are typically handled by doctors. Conditions like diabetes, asthma, and high blood pressure. Search crews have rescued an 18-year-old woman who has been missing for days in the Southern California forest. The girl had been missing since Sunday after setting out on a hike with a 19-year-old friend who made a 911 call that night for help. He was found in very serious condition from dehydration last night. In world news, NATO issued a statement today declaring that an American F-16 fighter jet has crashed in eastern Afghanistan, killing the U.S. pilot. NATO said the cause of yesterday's crash is still being investigated, but initial reporting indicates that there was no insurgent activity in the area when the plane went down. Thousands of Palestinians have taken to the streets in the West Bank today. They're voicing outrage over the deaths of two Palestinian protesters killed in clashes with Israel and a third Palestinian who died of cancer while in an Israeli prison. That's the news. I'm Katie Jarvis with Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach. Your guide on the side. And today, again, we got another great topic for you. It really is going to be a good one. And I'm trying to get this whole intro to the show down, and I want it to be perfect. Because you can't beat a great first impression. That's what they tell me. Because I'm pretty sure if I nail the beginning of my show, the intro, the show, everyone else will think the rest of the show was just as good. Can I, uh, can I break some news to you? Yeah. With radio, there's no beginning and end. People get in their cars all day long, so they turn over throughout the show. So you have to make a good first impression for the entire show, basically. Oh, well, that's never going to happen. <laughs> that's not going to happen. I can't keep it up. All the pressure. With that attitude, man, it's never going to happen. Wow. you got to be positive. shoulder angel. <laughs> <laughs> you call me your angel. You are I was angel. expecting devil. You're my little shoulder angel. Right now, you're being an angel. Thank you. Later. I'm sure you'll play the other role. First impressions. I remember my first impression of all of you. Okay, so tell us. Go around and tell us your first impression of each one of us. My first impression when I saw Sky Boy, I'm like, what's with the tights? (laughs) Why does the boy wear tights to the show? What's your impression now? 
amazing shoulder angel. Thank you. That's what I was going for. My first impression of the Rantster, B. Tobin, Bryce the Tobinator. Careful now. I'm prone to anger. <laughs> My first impression, this guy looks prone to anger. Hey. <laughs> and he seems, Nailed it. He seems a little crazy, so let's let him rant a little bit and vent off the negative energy. See, they make me do this before the show, the recording of the rants and stuff. And then I show up to the meetings. And you're so passive and, to the, and calm. I'm all, oh, it's yeah. good. It's great. Yeah. It's wonderful. If they didn't have it, it's bad news. I, I never, I actually, I have a good impression of all of you. I really do. You know, you're good people. Thanks. Yeah. Really, like, except for Tyler, our old intern that was never supposed to be here and he's now back. <laughs> Tybo, but uh, I, no, I really, impressions matter, right? So when you guys first met me, what was your first impression? Michael Scott. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I totally see that. <laughs> oh, are we going to start making caricatures of everyone? I, 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 people call me Michael Scott. Actually, they call me, um, what's his name? Steve Carell. They don't yeah, think. Well, you kind of look like Steve Carell rocking some glasses. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of growth on my face today. <clears throat> Better tan, though. And a tan. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know what, Matt? What? I was like, oh. You didn't like me. This is it? No, yeah, I'm you're like, this is all you got? <laughs> is that all you got? No, but that's that was rude. Um, which is Just why, kidding. Which I is thought why, that you were the best dressed man in the room. You well, I'm the only one that actually day. wears Thanks. a collared shirt. <laughs> oh, yeah, Rob wears a collared shirt. But you wear a blazer. You look very professional every day. Yeah. Good Thank for you. you. See? And you're into fashion. Yeah. See? There you go. I'm about to cry. <laughs> These impressions are really powerful. Do you guys, like, do you believe this concept that your first impression really sticks? Only if I see them once or twice. If you see them... Every day. Every day. You just create new first impressions Do you all actually... The time. I don't remember any time... I don't remember my first time meeting any of you. Except Skyboy. <laughs> I think... At least in my case, for first impressions, because I have to meet so many people all the time, like, I don't want people's first impression to be all they get, but that's kind of all they get. Yeah. And I just, you know, living in apartments, doing the college kid life. Walmart. I just, there's, I mean, classes every three months, I get to meet a whole new group of people. If if in like 10 minutes, you don't give me a good reason to talk to you. <laughs> to keep you in my... I'm just Sorry. Sorry, Long-term I memory. just won't. I just won't. Oh, well, I, sure, I'm all for second chances. Those are great and wonderful. But, yeah. you know, if you don't get my attention in 10 minutes, sorry. You're just, yeah. It's, it's kind of not... like television. Yeah, it is. Capture my attention. Now, but attention on television, I think, isn't it 24 seconds is what our re- our attention span is? No, it's probably less. You see channel flippers. Yeah. Next, 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 next. That's less than a second. Well, I'm going to uh, – my daughter – was playing piano. She plays piano at a restaurant in town. And a really, really important person came up and met her. And she made an impression. So much so that the next day he asked her to call because she was looking for an internship. The next day, which was today, she and her fiancé were both given internships with a really big New York firm. And it was because I'm sure she was playing New York, New York on the piano. <laughs> are, we was, talking, are we talking the acapella Frank Sinatra version? Yeah. 
That one? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that she could play a cappella on the no, piano. No, not the a cappella one. The <laughs> piano version of New York, New York. And amazingly, that's what he asked for. And amazingly, it got her an internship. Paid. Boom. Boom. So I'm going to go with the first impression idea. It matters. It matters. So what we're going to do is we're going to have you all try to have a new first impression with me. We're starting over. Skyboy, lose the tights. I've been wearing these for years, Matt. <laughs> I don't have anything else. I know. <laughs> it's time to lose the tights. You need some more clothes. No, but today's a big day because we're going to get into this first impression idea. And, you know, it's a big deal because apparently it doesn't go away, does it? Apparently, first impressions can be made in product launches. They can be made in anything in life. Don't you agree, Robert? Ruin a company. It can totally ruin a company. Speaking of a company that's being ruined. Wow. Do you remember? Okay, that was a really bad first impression for a segue. (laughs) Was it a first impression or was it like a hardcore forced segue? It was me trying to get him to do what he should have done intuitively. But he didn't know we were there yet. So I just went, I just rolled with it. That was good. Okay, well, let's try it again. Try it, just try it again. See if you You remember back in February. Yes. No. The weather was cold. And there was a boat. Yes. Major cruise line had its boat, the Triumph. Yes. And it had an engine fire meltdown. What's a little engine malfunction engine room caught fire no power no toilets all kinds of problems people Raw suck at sea all for over five days ship. having to camp out on the deck they got all this trouble to try to tow it in and they're almost all the way there and the tow cable snaps yeah so they have to send another tow cable out there they finally get home to big cheers people complaining it's this poor boat 900 foot carnival triumph sitting there in mobile at the dock and earlier this week, you've probably heard more trouble. It got away from him at the dock and started floating away. Oh, wow. What do you do with a floating cruise ship that's dead? <laughs> well, it doesn't run away very fast. So you, well, yeah. You but go like, out there with a tow, tow boat and I guess you just swim it to it. <laughs> hey, can someone swim to the boat and bring the boat back? But the poor, uh, poor boat lumbered down the river and smashed into other boats. You put a big gash in the side of it, so more... To add insult to injury. But I got thinking. Yeah. Talking first impressions today. I have never been on a cruise, and I always thought it sounded really neat. I have a cruise in November. Yeah, but it's out of my price range. Well, we'll put you in a bag and just stow, <laughs> stow you away. Ninth class tickets are only 80 bucks. <laughs> All right. You're the guy that has to hold the ship to the, <laughs> to the dock. That'd be great. <laughs> I'm the one who doesn't get the uh, toilet privileges. No. It's like uh, being stranded at sea. Only you're not. So the (laughs) – where am I going with that? I don't know. But I would just keep moving. (laughs) You're like a ship afloat. (laughs) Anyway, so this poor boat, it's it's just – you know, as you you continue to follow this on the news, you think this this poor boat's – it's – cursed and and that's it's a cursed boat you remember uh, costa concordia yeah which tipped on that its one side didn't have a good last one, right. year and then the year before that or i guess back in 2010 the carnival splendor had an engine room catch fire and kind of the same deal only they got things back in order after 13 hours but still that's a long time without toilets and then you had 350 people get ill Ugh. back in february of 2010 because of some bug that was in the food you're making my cruise seem less interesting. Oh, and then the, the 2005, uh, 62 of the cabins flooded out, 
on the Norwegian Dawn. Is, is there a point to any of this? And a guy died with Legionnaire's <laughs> disease in 2007, and Somali pirates <clears throat> attacked the seaborne spirit in 2005. As a guy who's looking for first impressions, I don't know if I want to go on a cruise. Well, but that's not what they show. That's the last impression. That's not what they show on the commercials. That's the final yeah. impression. The commercial is a bunch of cute people, always skinny and taut, and they slide down the slide into the pool, and they just and it, it looks like an incredible pool, and they're splashing. They don't show that it's seawater and that you can hardly breathe, and you just took in a bunch of seawater into your lungs. The pool's filled with seawater? A lot of them are. Oh, well, that's the easiest water to get on the ocean. <laughs> well, that's the case. Why don't they just make a slide that just dumps you out in the ocean? Well, they're hard to get back on. <laughs> it's hard to get them back up. So they don't give. They give you the impression of something else because they they're going to sell you on the good stuff and the buffet. Oh, they're going to show you the picture of the buffet. Mm. And in fact, they're going to show you a stateroom. You're not going to know that you're going to have the room down underneath the bottom of the ship where there's some big. I don't know. In my price Cog range, I got one turning. of the 62 rooms that were the first to flood. First impression. <laughs> isn't it interesting? But that is sales 101, isn't it? We sell people on the first impression. And we try to, like, draw it out as long as we can. But, like, when you have ever just said to a salesman, you know what? Uh, my wife and I have made a deal where we won't ever buy anything on a whim. So let us just go home and think about it, and we'll come back tomorrow. They don't what, want is, us. Is the wife the boss of you, Matt? Absolutely. <laughs> Have you met her? She's a tough cookie. But they want you to they want to get you when you're kind of caught up in that first gooey impression. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, but I mean speaking of things that make a good first impression. Big thing out this week is Facebook's home. Now yes. just upon that name, you think, "Oh, I feel Facebook. warm. I feel cozy." Yeah. I feel like, "Hey, my kids are there just cuddling." Yeah. <laughs> That's all. Oh, That's goodness. what my Facebook feels like and on then, my new home. Yeah, because it's like Facebook. Most people have positive feelings right. towards Facebook. Otherwise, they would not be on. Right. And then home, really happy. But then as soon as you get into it, it's like, wait. It's not so homey. It's kind of like a mix between an app and an operating system. So you can never get away from Facebook. They own you. <laughs> yep. It sounds more like mortgage. Pretty much. Well, you know? They should have called it Facebook Mortgage. <laughs> Right. Instead it of Facebook you home. everywhere. But see, now I have a feeling there's a lot of people that are going to love that idea of this uh, this concept because Facebook, for a lot of people, is home. Mm -hmm. That's where we put our pictures. That's where we look out the window at others that are having a life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's where we stalk people. Yeah, because, I mean, home. really, when they were talking about the new things, there's going to be a new thing called cover feed where first thing that pops up will be your Facebook updates. And another one of the features is, like, when you're using other apps, you can pull down something and still chat on Facebook. Which is kind of funny if you think about it. You'd think on a cell phone the first thing that would pop up would be your cell phone. the phone. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, I mean, but oh. some people, that'll be really nice for them. But then others, you know. See, it'll be interesting cough, to rub, see. <laughs> is that nah. <laughs> No smile? Okay, no Rob's smile. already, yeah. Okay. Um, it's interesting it's... to see that some people are going to be like second impressions, third impressions, fourth impressions probably won't be as glowing. Yeah, but then, I mean, so you kind of get the mix of people that are like, yeah, this is great. And the other people that are like, this is too intrusive, you know. And so... I mean, it's just kind of where you find that balance. But nevertheless, the first impression, that's smart with naming home. that new thing home. Yeah. I mean, garage, not as cool. I know. Right? Mortgage. Eh. <laughs> there you go. Apartment. No. 
that's probably why they didn't put mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's very about it's very much about impressions. My my Facebook is in pirate mode. Really? Yeah. I don't know if you could you knew that you can change, and so it's home port. And when you log out, you (laughs) abandon ship, and lots of cool stuff like that. (laughs) Wow. Instead of your photo having three like, yeah, three likes, you got three args. That's what really you do. <laughs> I'm serious. Are you serious? Yeah, it's really. What's fun. with the pirate mode? I don't know, but is, are you, it makes... is it like an alter ego? Do you feel like you feel like being Skyboy is not enough? You need to have an alter ego like Pirate Boy. I just thought it would make Facebook more entertaining. Did more it work? Exciting. Yeah, and I, I've actually I'm more used to that now. Is that if why I you wear on... an eye patch? No, that's that's because I hurt my eye, man. Oh, sorry. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know about your eye. Sorry about that. I can't understand. I put mine in British English because I thought it would be more entertaining. But is that much different? No. In fact, the only difference is the word log out has a space in it, and all the times are in a 24-hour clock. So okay. I can't ever figure out what time. Rob, See, 19 pirate o'clock. Mode. Rob, I now know why you don't enjoy Facebook. <laughs> because you're thinking about the spacing in the wording. You have to just enjoy it and sit back and just go stalk your friends and just go look at their pictures and wish you could be them. If you would do that, you'd feel much better. I like your idea of calling it Facebook Mortgage, but let's just call it Facebook Mort. Yeah. That's not working. No? <laughs> okay. That's not working. Okay, well, um, boy, I don't know where we this went. I know. It's, like a, it's like a ship. It's just floating away, smashing into other ships. So if we've given is. you a bad first impression, uh, we'll try again. Okay. What we want you to do, <laughs> what we like to do on the show is contrast. We wanted to show you what a bad first impression looks like. And when we come back, we're going to do the rest of the show where we're going to pick up the game. And we are, we've got a lot of great stuff. We've got a rant from the Rantster. Our own B.T. Bryce Tobin's going to do a little rant about first impressions. Then we're bringing on an image consultant straight out of London. Lynn Marks is going to teach us about the power of a, of a first impression. We're going to get into it, try to give you some tools and a leg up in this crazy thing we call life. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back right after this break right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sure, robots are useful, but will we ever build robots that are not creepy? Relatable robots coming up. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Robot manufacturers keep making progress on robots that can use human tools and environments and work with as well as for us. But for every person out there that loves robots, you can also find one who's just plain creeped out by them. That unease humans feel is called the uncanny valley problem, where robots sort of look real but don't act real. Solving this problem has been a goal at Hanson Robotics, which previously built famous animated model robot heads of Albert Einstein, as well as the late sci-fi author Philip K. Dick. Now, Hanson's pushing ahead with even more expressive bots, in an effort not just to escape the uncanny valley, but to give future robots actual empathy for humans, even if only in simulated form. They're doing this with more lifelike artificial robot skin, as well as with software that looks at a human face and reads their expressions to deduce their emotional state and create appropriate responses. Such tech also has therapy applications with certain types of autism patients who have trouble reading the feelings of people around them. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. 
Visit us online at innovationnow.us. In international news, Google unveiled detailed and comprehensive maps of North Korea yesterday. Egyptian President Mohamed Morsi is meeting with leaders in Germany today. French officials are now looking at plans to turn over long-term security to combined African forces. The Secretary General says more needs to be done to address Syria's civil war. You hear sound bites from the news, but with notes from the Kennedy Center, you get to dig into the international affairs of the world. Weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend. Hey, just got this text message just in from my beautiful oldest son. 18 years of just masculinity. And uh, this is the message he drops me. Um, By the way, it's about 322 Mountain Standard Time right now. He says, hey, Dad, my choir concert's tonight at 7. I'd love you to be there (laughs) if you can. Love, son. He just gave you plenty of warning on that. Yeah, it's like three and a half hours. Yeah. My uh, my wife and my daughter were planning, you know, their choir concert a year ahead of time. So now I've got a kid that, oh, so, so, oh, yeah. So if ah. you were to estimate, how long do you think he's known about this date and time? Uh, how long has he like been? Like cognitively? Uh, like known it in his brain sitting as a date in his head? Yes. Seven minutes. Seven minutes. <laughs> I'm but, sure he's been told like 14 times for the last three weeks. Yeah. He said plenty of time to not only warn, but prepare. I'm just going to say, Jake, that's a bad first impression. Okay? Give me some time. I'll be there. I got nothing going on in my life. So uh, here's the deal. We're talking first impressions. Are they that big of a deal, or is it just a bunch of gobbledygook? Well, we have to deal with first impressions in job interviews and socializing, but do we approach them in the right way? Well, our own little Bryce Tobin has some thoughts that he would just love to share with us. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. The first impression is probably my least favorite part of social interaction. I like to be in control of things, and it's hard to control a first impression because you can provide one without any actual face-to-face interaction. In a perfect world, we'd all reserve judgment until we get some face-to-face time, but this is not the world we live in. I've noticed that with first impressions, you can't really win. Your best hope is to not lose. And there's four ways that this can work out. To illustrate these four possible outcomes, let's use a platonic social gathering with someone named Jack in attendance. Jack is the person that you're going to leave the impression with. First possible outcome. As you're interacting with people, let's say you make a positive first impression on Jack. Then as you make the rounds chatting from person to person, eventually the truth is revealed and you do not live up to Jack's first impression. Jack is disappointed. The second possible outcome. Let's say as you hop in the line to grab some food, you cut in front of someone who is waiting patiently. Jack now has a negative first impression. Then you two get a chance to talk to each other. Jack jokingly mentions that he saw you cut in line, and you admit that you did it on purpose. Good job. You just validated Jack's low expectations of you. Third possible outcome. Let's use that last one, but instead of admitting that you cut in line on purpose, let's say you did it on accident. This one's a win, right? Well, Jack is all for being pleasantly surprised, and you certainly exceeded his expectations. But they were pretty low to begin with, and it could just mean that you're inconsiderate or oblivious to the world around you, both of which are not desirable attributes. Our fourth and last possible outcome. 
Let's say someone drops a glass. It breaks, but you're quick on your feet to grab a broom and clean it up so that the festivities can continue unimpeded. Then when you have a chance to chat with Jack later on, he compliments you on having the presence of mind to act fast, and you reveal that you're just a good person who's looking out for everyone and likes helping out. Well done, you lived up to Jack's high expectations. So when we boil this all down, one to four to win, those aren't good odds. Especially when you realize that three to four to lose is on the other side waiting for you. So, while thinking about all of this, I had a little epiphany. There's a line I want to draw while talking about first impressions. We'll say something like, I want to make a good first impression, but what are we really saying? I think this divides two ways. On the one hand, we may be saying that we want to leave an impression that casts us in a positive light. I would say that this is what most of us are trying to convey, but I don't feel like this is the best way to go about first impressions. On the other hand, we may be saying that we want to leave an impression that's accurate. I think this is the better way to go about first impressions. Good or not, I'd rather someone's impression be the right one. Because even if it's a good impression, if it's the wrong impression, what good is it to me? All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Wow, you thought about that a lot. I did. So your point is... Should we just be making good impressions and try to like impress somebody, or should we make sure it's an accurate impression? I guess which one costs when you really think about it, because like I mean, if if it's the wrong impression, then you'll pay later, right? It'll get you, but at least you got the job. You got the job, and then you you're know, incapable of delivering. Yeah, you. Yeah, bosses don't like that. That's a good. So your theory is. Instead of going for a good impression, go for an accurate impression that can take you as far as you can go. As I guess as much as you should go, as you could go. Deserve to go. Deserve. That's a good one. Interesting. But that would be uh, – that's not salesmanship. <laughs> so are you saying that salesmanship is inherently dishonest? Because I think that's what you said, Matt. I think that's. I think that's kind of. Is that what you said? uh, Yeah. Okay. I'm wondering, Bryce, have you ever tried to like lower someone's expectation of you or given a bad first impression on purpose? (laughs) Yes. Every day. In fact, you know, I kind of do that on purpose most of the time. (laughs) Uh, You undercommit and then you overdeliver. And then I overdeliver. He's amazing Mm -hmm. that way. I figured it out. No, it's it's actually just a little more exciting when you're dealing with people and they're like, "Wow, he's like the worst person in the world," and I show up. (laughs) No, I'm not that bad. Yeah. (laughs) And then you know. Yeah. It's probably not best. I should probably fix that. But, you know, no. it keeps things interesting. You're the king of underwhelming. Yep. <laughs> and it's Keep a word that a lot of people don't use, but underwhelming. Is it a word? It's, a, it's a word now. It should be. I just used it. I always tell people to lower what's, your expectations. What's just whelmed, then? If there's over and under, what's just whelmed? Whelmed is like, wow. That's what? whelmed. I, I think it's just like to deliver, like to give. <laughs> I don't know. Can we make that into a verb? I don't know. It's an interesting point I think we're getting to in a very weird, indirect, backwards way. Hey, that's my job. We do it no other way. (laughs) But I I actually like the idea because it opened up this whole discussion of are we there? Is the goal to impress beyond what we can deliver? Is or I guess is that a good impression? Yeah, and yeah, do people think that's a good impression? But if if it's a good if it's an impression you can't follow up on and deliver on, you've you've just hung yourself, right? Yeah. Hmm. I think that sometimes annoys me when people try too hard to give a good first impression. Yeah, especially when they're trying too hard. Yeah, no, it's not how you really are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's why you give them a test. Like Like, I always like to meet people (laughs) when they weren't expecting it. How do you do that? You just show up in the middle of the night. And depending on how they treat you, 
you know, so if I'm going to hire somebody, I like to show up at their house in the middle of the night. He does kind of sound like Steve Carell. I could see Steve really, Carell doing this. That sounds like, like, like the Scott. logic. The logic is great. It's brilliant. It's great logic. Yeah, it's creepy, but it's it, just against the law. It is against the law. <laughs> or you just surprise him. You just jump out of nowhere and you're like, "Hey, Matt Townsend, good to meet you." Right. If you want to know how someone really feels about you, That's are right. they terrified when they see right. you, or are they delighted right. to see their new boss? That's exactly. I you can you can uh, you can hide in the back seat of their car. <laughs> That's actually one of my biggest fears. Saw that in a like made-for-TV movie. So that, now you check the back. The killer friends as pranks. Oh god, a lot. <laughs> I, we, I would not be your friend after that. No, that'd well, be terrible. Now we know how to know what the real BT looks like and acts like. Terrify me in my car when I'm not I'll expecting hide, it. I'll hide in his car. If you show. survive, you'll know exactly. You know what? I, I yeah, go do it, Skyboy. <laughs> okay, do it, and then just will you call me? Because I want to know how it well, goes. Well, I don't know if I'll be able to call after. Well, well, <laughs> we'll, just, see. we'll actually, see what happens. just have the paramedics call me. Okay. I say this and I know for sure my car is unlocked in the parking lot right now. <laughs> Scary. Just signed my death warrant. Well, okay. Good job again, Bryce. Good job on the uh, first impressions. Let's just make it accurate. Let's not always go for overwhelm. Hey, why overwhelm when you can just underwhelm? Or whelm. Or just whelm. Good stuff. Again... The Matt Townsend Show, bringing it to you. Hey, it's deep. It's profound. When we come back, we're talking to Lynn Marks, president of the London Image Institute, certified image consultant. We'll be back right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Listen to BYU Radio to color your world. Eric Dowdle is a renowned artist who paints pictures about unique cultures and locales every weeknight on BYU Radio. On Traveling with Eric Dowdle, you'll discover hidden gems through the eyes of locals, including the kinds of things you just can't miss. Listen to Traveling with Eric Dowdle weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern, another great BYU Radio program to color your world. Find it on Sirius XM Channel 143. BYU Radio, talk about good. Good afternoon, I'm Katie Jarvis with Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio News. School officials say as many as 25 students at a Massachusetts school were denied lunch this week because they could either not pay or their prepaid accounts did not contain enough money. Outraged parents say some students at the middle school cried when they were told by a worker they could not eat. The superintendent says that they're working on a new system, but in the meantime, workers have been told not to deny any child a lunch. Well-known film critic Roger Ebert has died. He was 70 years old. Ebert was diagnosed with thyroid cancer in 2002 and later had surgery. He lost his chin and the ability to speak, but he later resumed writing full-time and eventually even returned to television. Ebert was known for his thumbs-up, thumbs-down TV reviews that influenced moviegoers across the nation. A large drugstore chain is expanding the reach of its in-store clinics beyond ankle sprains and sinus infections. Most of the 370 in-store Walgreens clinics will now diagnose, treat, and monitor patients with some chronic conditions that are typically handled by doctors, such as diabetes, asthma, and high blood pressure. Search crews have rescued an 18-year-old woman who has been missing for days in the Southern California forest. The girl had been missing since Sunday after setting out on a hike with a 19-year-old friend who made a call... A 911 call that night for help. He was found in very serious condition from dehydration yesterday.
In world news, NATO issued a statement today declaring that an American F-16 fighter jet has crashed in eastern Afghanistan, killing the U.S. pilot. NATO said the cause of yesterday's crash is still being investigated, but initial reporting indicates that there was no insurgent activity in the area when the plane went down. Thousands of Palestinians have taken to the streets in the West Bank today. They're voicing outrage over the deaths of two Palestinian protesters who were killed in clashes with Israel and a third Palestinian who died of cancer in an Israeli prison. That's the news. I'm Katie Jarvis with Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Have you ever noticed that little laser shot in there? Um, again, we're just carrying on that great first impression by talking about laser shots. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Here it is again. You're listening to Dr. Matt Townsend. First impressions, they matter. And uh, who better to teach us about that than uh, an award-winning certified image counselor, I guess, uh, coach, uh, Lynn Marks is joining us. She's the president of the London Image Institute. Lynn has been working and coaching uh, businesses and consulting with Fortune uh, 100 organizations. United Airlines, for example, has been one of her clients. She's been featured in Time, Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, CNN, Elle Magazine, Women's Day, Glamour, Bloomberg. She's done it all. She's also the author of a couple of books. And so, Lynn, we need your insight. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to have you on the show straight from London, too, huh? Well, not exactly. I'm in Atlanta right oh, now. Oh, are you? Well, um, welcome. But I am going to London next week. Well, Lynn, it's good to have you here because we've had a big discussion about this whole impression idea. And you're, you're, there's a major, major um, point, I guess, of, of opportunity in our first few minutes of meeting somebody. Tell us what's so significant about it versus... Ten minutes later. Yes, absolutely. Uh, if I were to show you a photograph of anyone and ask you a few questions, say, such as, what does that person do? How much, how much does that person earn? Um, would you hire that person? You would probably very quickly come up with some answers based on uh, what we would consider very superficial evidence, their clothing. As a matter of fact, um, studies have shown that uh, human beings make really profound value judgments based on, you know, our external appearance in two seconds flat. Wow. Actually, very often less than that, in fractions of a second. And so it becomes obvious that appearance and body language pro- project messages. Well, we whether you want answers. to or not, huh, Lynn? Oh, absolutely. We have absolutely no control over the judgments of other people But what we can control um, is how we want to look, what we want to project. It's actually quite a learned skill. And uh, Bryce, in the last section, was talking about an accurate uh, first impression. I wondered what that meant, because um, when I ask you, what would you like to look like, Um, what would you say? Well, I'd want to be tall. I'd probably want to be about 6'5", but I'm pushing 5'10". 5'11". I'd want to be, you know, ripped with tons of muscles. And, you know, we're pretty much there. But that's the problem, I guess, is I I guess what he was getting at is we want we don't want to set someone up to think we're something we're not. 
like that we're over like that we that we know how to do something that we don't that we are more wealthy than maybe we are or whatever i think it was his idea yes absolutely but if you wanted say if you wanted to look powerful or likable right. or approachable um professional or any of the uh things that people might say when asked that question um you would say okay well, how exactly could you go about that? And they say, I'm not sure. But mm. actually, um, you can very, very much influence other people's opinion and judgment of you um, based on that two-second first impression. Oh, I believe it. And, and I mean, even colors, right? Or yeah. just certain textures or certain kind of cloth or text. I mean, it, there's a lot of things to this. Yes, there are, actually. Darker, stronger colors are more powerful, they're more influential than, say, pale lavender is less influential than, say, dark purple or eggplant. Right. What about and, polka you know, dots? Your bulky tweeds or your worsted, uh, sorry, or your roughness yeah. are less influential than, say, gabardine or worsted, which is a smoother fabric, or silk, which is a smooth fabric. So huh. those are, um, and small patterns uh, rather than big, flowery patterns for ties and um, blouses and scarves are more influential, more uh, actually more professional. Well, it's true. I mean, you know that you've got a job doing nothing but helping people convey a message really non-verbally. You're, it's, I mean, at first, right? Because if the impression is within the first two seconds, the person probably hasn't even been able to say a word yet. Not a word. It all gets said with non-verbal uh, body language, posture, gestures, if you're even making gestures, but right. posture certainly, eye contact, the amount of energy level you have, your, and obviously your appearance. Um, a dated appearance, for example, you know, something like, uh, uh, you know, the big m- moustache and yeah. the sideburns and the hair over the collar, you know, that um, gives the impression of, yes, I, I'm dated, I'm... Um, I'm stuck in a decade. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sort of stuck in the late 70s, early 80s. I know. I'm stuck in the big hair era. Yeah, the big hair, the <laughs> shoulder pads, the, the bright, bright frosted eyeshadow. <laughs> <laughs> you're, uh, you're explaining a lot of my family members. <laughs> you better be careful, Lynn. You're treading on thin ice there. But it's really, I, I like this idea. To give us some ideas of some other things we need to watch out for other than maybe the eyeshadow. What else is what else is potentially problematic? Um, potentially problematic is a sloppy appearance, a, dis, a sort of um, disorganized, untidy. Um, it gives the impression, or it gives the message, that you're disorganized in life. Um, if you go to an interviewer, for example, with your shirt or with your tie not quite over your buttons, yeah. right in front. Um, it, you look nervous. You look hurried. You look as though you're dressed in a hurry. Um, you, uh, if you're provocative, if you're alluring as a woman and you show a little bit too much skin, yeah. um, studies have shown that you get a longer interview, but you don't <laughs> necessarily get the job. <laughs> That's so sad, but it's, it just totally resonates, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I'll keep you around for a minute, but no, you're not going to get the job. I, uh, I, it's interesting, too, when you think about, I'll bet you attorneys would love to know this. If I've got a defendant 
that could go to jail, it might be good to know how I should dress him. <laughs> to to even, I mean, because the, on these juries, we're we're making an impression just simply by what we're having our people wear or what the attorney wears or isn't wearing. I mean, this this can impact every job. Every job. Um, we we have worked with attorneys and um, uh, all the people they work with, and it's um, things like eye contact. Yeah. Um, shifty eye contact denotes mainly nervousness. A lot of people say you're you're lying, but it actually denotes um, more nervousness, and I'm not sure. Yeah, insecurity. Um, insecurity, lack of confidence. Another one is hand over mouth, um, a huge detractor of the um, of your message, of a confident message. I don't know whether you remember Lance Armstrong's. Um, couple of interviews yeah, with Oprah. Right. You know, he had um, what we call the four cross. His foot was over his thigh, um, and he was leaning back in a very so-called very confident um, display. And um, he, there was something uh, scripted uh, as though he'd been practicing yeah. what he was saying. Is that where um, they'd bring in a consultant, Lynn, and say, look, okay, this is how you sell it. Right. Look, kick back, look comfortable. But there was something faky it about was fake, confidence huh? layered on something else. And you know what happened? Uh, Oprah asked him about his son and what he would say to his son. And instantly, uh, the body said it all. His leg came down, you know, the, the knees came together. He leant forward, uh, not back. The, came, the, the hand came over the mouth stroke the nose. I mean, there was yeah. an emotional response as the, as the voice faltered. The eye contact was nowhere. It Actually, he looked at the gut where you looked uh-huh. in emotion. When you're in pain. Yeah, absolutely. Does, and does, it was then that I thought the guy is being authentic for the first time in the interview. See, I, I guess maybe the better word um, other than accurate would be authentic. Yeah, authentic but, is a much better word. Well, and it seems like it's it seems like the minute you start trying to overthink a first impression, you might begin you might be on the road to inauthentic. Right. It's much better to if I were to say to you, um, if you were to say back to me, if I was to say to you, what would you like to look like, and yeah. you were to say to me, powerful. Um, I would then say, okay, how are we going to do that? It's going to be done with body language, with influential clothing, mm-hmm. tailored clothing, with um, an, uh, a strong eye contact that hits everybody for two seconds or individuals for two seconds rather than spraying the air with your words. Yeah. Um, not rocking back and forth or pacing up and down like a lion in a cage. Um, it's going to be um, an easy smile, not a forced with just the uh, mouth, but it's going to hit the eyes. Yeah. You're going to have a, um, uh, a sort of, um, uh, there'll be larger gestures. You'll be, you'll be filling your space as opposed to huddling over. Yeah, and hiding. Terrible, by the way, to huddle over and read your messages just before an interview. Studies have shown um, that uh, the, mid- the minute you huddle and close in, the stress hormone kicks in. And if you stretch out, matter of fact, Amy Cuddy has shown this in a wonderful uh, TED Talk. If you stretch out like an Olympic champion with your arms spread wide, chin up, chest lifted for two minutes, 
your testosterone hormone kicks in and therefore you become much more confident. Interesting. It's really interesting. Isn't that fascinating? And it's just, it's a, it's a physiological move. You're just... Absolutely. But it's almost too, you're probably, uh, I guess you're, you're, you're engaging um, a part of your psyche too when you're doing that. You know, you're oh, engaged in your body instead yeah. of your psyche, your mind. That's the most brilliant thing. It actually has been found now that our body now uh, gives messages to our mind, our, our brain. And we thought it was, always thought it was the other way around. Yeah. We thought something and then told our body to enact it. In fact, it's, all, it's the other way around as well. So you can alter the way you think and act just by altering your body language is fascinating. Oh, that is fascinating. And it's, and it really is, it seems like such a simple, uh, I mean, it seems like something we don't even think about yet in the end, it, this first two seconds of any interaction, you can win a lot or lose a lot, can't you? Absolutely. And people don't realize that we all have our antenna up for friend or foe Mm -hmm. and all looking to see whether the other person is dangerous or not. Yeah, right. And so the minute we perceive danger, we're going to be reacting to that. Comfort and ease is much more pleasant yeah. to react to. We, we sort of relax rather than our muscles tense, ready for fight or fight. Well, that's exactly. And, and, and so if I'm doing that in an interview with, with the person interviewing me and I start to become tense, they're going to pick that up and they actually might become tense. And they actually might even reject us and they don't even know why. It's That's so a subtle, really good huh? Point, actually, yes, because um, you hit the nail on the head. Body language is also contagious. Yeah, we actually influence one one of another, and um, if you you can actually, it's not mimicking exactly, but it's um, it's like mirroring. It's mirroring, yes, exactly. And uh, but don't do it instantly, instantaneously afterwards. Do it about sort of have a 10 second delay yeah. and then gradually ease into the same position. It's much more authentic. Man, Lynn, I love it. Let's uh, let's take a break. We'll come back, uh, follow up with this a little bit more. We're talking to Lynn Marks, president of London Image Institute and certified image master. We'll be back with her. She's given us some great insight. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The next location for a manned space station might be really far out, as in beyond the moon. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. As NASA contemplates the next steps in manned and unmanned missions to the moon, Mars, faraway asteroids, and more, the question arises, where is the best place to put a space station for supporting deep space missions? The current space station is in low Earth orbit, only about 400 kilometers high. That's still rather deep in Earth's gravity well. To go into deeper space, some advocate a station that's literally far out, even beyond lunar orbit. Thanks to orbital mechanics, there is a location that's uniquely qualified for a deep space jumping off point. It's the Lagrange point, called L2 for short. Lagrange points are spots leading and trailing the orbit of Earth around the sun, a million and a half kilometers past Earth's orbit where the pull of gravity balances out so that an object at the L2 point stays there until you want to move it. 
You can save a lot of fuel drifting parked at L2, yet you only need a small rocket burn to jump off in any direction in space from that spot. L2 might end up as our bus station to the entire solar system. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. This Saturday and Sunday, Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio, is proud to bring you all four general sessions of the semi-annual General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Tune in at noon and 4 p.m. Eastern on Saturday and Sunday for General Conference live from the Conference Center in Salt Lake City on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking about first impressions, and we have Lynn Marks joining us, president of the London Image Institute. She has been featured in a lot of great, uh, uh, you know, high-profile newspapers, magazines, Forbes, for example, Wall Street Journal, CNN. And we're trying to figure out from Lynn the key to this first impression. One of the things Lynn's been teaching us is this idea of within the first two seconds, your body makes a, a judgment. Your mind might not even be aware it's happening, but your body's making a first impression, a judgment, I guess, really, of, of the you know the quality of the person that you're looking at or whether they're a threat or, or can be a benefit. Is that the idea, Lynn? Yes, it's exactly. Whether they're friend or foe, whether they're going to present danger or comfort, um, whether they're going to be intimidating to you or whether, in fact, they're going to be um, some kind of an ally. Right. You, you judge that very, very quickly. And studies have shown, matter of fact, that we make judgments um, in our uh, subcortex, I think they call it, uh, even before yeah. it comes to the conscious mind. Right. And, it's, and, so, and you actually have a, you have a visceral reaction to it. You have a yes. biochemical feeling before you even have the thought really as to why. Yes. And then you might even start attaching it. When you start actually paying attention, you might attach more things like, oh, and their hair? Oh, oh, man, and they're only wearing one earring. Where'd their other earring go? Oh, there it is. It's stuck on their lapel. And we start then picking out more things that we can hang on that feeling. Definitely. And you actually add on more and more and more judgments. Yeah. And before about five seconds, I think you've made about 20 (laughs) And uh, you could write a, a small book about them within a minute. <laughs> that, that's when they just need to stand up and walk away. Yes. <laughs> I have no hope here. This is never going to work. Goodbye. <laughs> Tell me about this credibility quotient. Um, it's a, a, a phrase I coined when I realized that as well as confidence, which is what people n- want, uh, number one, mm-hmm. I think uh, another number two very quickly is Um, We want to be believable. We want to know that people have confidence in what we're saying. Right. And so there are definite um, cues that you can use to boost your credibility quotient. Um, And they they actually also go into the way you speak. Um, We've mentioned the influential, more tailored dressing. Right. um, The unconstructed... Um, softer look with um, 
softer fabrics is more approachable and friendly. But our influential side has to kick in when we're in more tailored suits and jackets. Oh, interesting. Because, like, right now I'm wearing a corduroy jacket. No, that doesn't even come up to our... <laughs> I want to ten on a credibility scale. You failed that one, boy. But I'm wearing <laughs> a tuxedo shirt underneath it. Well, forget that. <laughs> oh man, this is not working. And a NASCAR race hat. Oh, lovely. Okay, it's called an ensemble. I'm glad it is. Radio. My son picked it out for me today. <laughs> so, so some more things on this quotient. The credibility quotient would be more about how we dress as well. What uh, else? Yes. Is, what else are the factors? The factors would be definitely verbal, um, very important in, say, an interview or even a date. Yeah, right. <laughs> very interesting. Um, a measured pace. Uh, but it's important to um, decrease the speed for emphasis as though I was really speaking in verbal bullets. Bullet one, da-la-la. Verbal, verbal bullet two, so that you right. can help people remember and understand what you're saying. Hmm. No run-on sentences, no long-winded answers with, you know, lots of clauses. Fabulous for when you're writing, but not so appropriate when you're speaking. People actually stop listening after yeah. about two seconds flat. Um, kill the jargon and the inside jokes and the bad language in the alphabet soup. Yeah. Just talk in sort of straight... Um, easy to understand English. Um, and then lastly, I think it's important to pay attention to your audience. Who, who, are, the, who are you speaking to? Right. Their biases, you know, how are they filtering your information? Um, use their language, not yours. Very, very high on the credibility if you are able to. If you're speaking to students, you don't need to go into jargon and student language. Right. But nevertheless, don't go into um, corporate speak um, when they... Yeah, uh, you'll they lose them, right? Yeah, you lose them. Wow, Lynn, you just pretty much explained everything I'm not. <laughs> I just... Uh, the credibility quotient just blew up right in my face. Oh. Oh, well. That's what, why you're on radio. That's perhaps. why we do radio. We do radio because it's the kinder, gentler media <laughs> medium. So, uh, Lynn, we got to take, we got to go here, but uh, give us a quick, what's the one rule overall? If there was just one thing we should be watching out for in order to make a great first impression, what's that one thing? Um, it's being comfortable with yourself. Actually, people adore when you are yourself. Right. And not pretending to be anybody else. When you're yourself, you're captivating, you're enthusiastic, and you're confident. So be yourself and don't be afraid of being yourself. It's actually delightful. Well, if you like you, then I can like you. Yes. Right? Good stuff. Lynn Marks, president of the London Image Institute. You can find her at www.londonimageinstitute.com. Lynn, again, thank you so much for all your insight. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Take care. Really, I love, uh, I, I, you know, it's funny, I didn't ever really think of that. When we think of a first impression, we always think that um, it's more about us just being judgmental people. But so much of it is just simply kind of this automatic response that's happening probably in our subconscious. It's picking up all this information. And our very own Merit is here with us. She is, she's been doing some research for us. 
right? I have. What have you learned, Merritt? Well, I was thinking, and I realized that when I compliment another girl, or if another woman compliments me, right. it always has to do with her clothes. We say something like, I like your shoes. And as I thought about that, I realized that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I, shoes. I said that I liked her shoes. I didn't say anything about her as a person. Yeah. So why do we take that as a compliment? So I was thinking about why do women do this? And of course, we have history. Yeah. Women throughout history have been shoes. It's a male-dominant Source society. Source of power. They're, their power came in through their appearance, and right. that was what they were allowed to excel in. But what what in turn does this do to a woman? And that was really interesting while I got into this research of what does complimenting appearance do to a woman. And in fact, a study from the University of Florida said that when you compliment a woman's appearance, that actually has most often the same effect as criticizing her appearance. Really? Yes. It makes her over aware of how she looks and it makes her feel like that's where her worth comes from. It's like, oh, and it draws attention to exactly. it. And then she might be more critical about other areas. Yeah. So the compliment, even though it might feel good initially, it yeah. has a negative impact. It's like this. Hey, your hunchback looks smaller than normal. Exactly. See? And then you're like, oh, everyone's still noticing my hunchback. <laughs> it's, a, it's kind of a reverse psychology thing. But isn't that funny? Because um, you really, I mean, so it's we just draw attention to a look, and if already you're self-conscious about your looks... Yeah, then it won't help a person at all. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, and other studies show that women perform, don't perform as well when they're focused on their appearances. And um, a really interesting study that I found in Psychology Today says that when we focus on a person's appearance, we tend to think that they have fewer good human attributes. Other, oh, yeah. Oh, you don't like my character? Exactly. <laughs> You just like my clothes? Oh, oh, they look good. And so when you focus on their appearance a lot, you don't think maybe that they're very competent or that they have good moral values. You objectify them. They become an object instead of Like that's all you could get was my sweater? (laughs) Is this different with men? The studies I found, they said that younger boys often and – in the upcoming generation, they have more pressure to look a certain way to be right. nicely muscular. Yeah, you're buffed. Exactly. But That's what Skyboy think... always wants us to say. Yeah, exactly. I wish we could. That's why he has the cape. <laughs> it's covering up his lack of buffery. <laughs> Are you trying to get a reaction out of me? Yeah, I am. It's not working. It's not I can't work. believe it woke <laughs> you up. Um, because it's interesting. Like when I tell another guy, hey, I really like your shirt. Do you know what they say? I mean, they're like, oh, I got it at Costco. <laughs> You know, it's like, oh, okay, you can get one too. They're at Costco, but it's almost like I don't, I don't tend to internalize it when people talk about, unless they're rude, yeah, and they make fun of my corduroy jacket. (laughs) Then I just want to rip them. Why would they ever make fun of that? It's hot, and if you rub it right, (laughs) can you hear that? (laughs) It makes the corduroy noise. Well, it is corduroy. Oh, no wonder. Well, I like your research. Keep it up, Merritt. That's really fascinating. And I like your soul and your incredible (laughs) peace-giving nature. Oh, thank you, Matt. And your sweaters to die for. That's uh, it's fascinating. I didn't realize women were going through all that trauma when we're just giving them a compliment. No wonder they won't take it. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to flip the argument a little bit. And how to make sure that when you're giving and talking about first impressions with another person, how to make sure you don't sound and, and you don't become too judgmental, that we don't get into judging others 
and uh, turning it into more negative thing. We'll be bringing on another guest. Bev Flaxington is coming up. She's a behavior coach. She'll be giving us her insight right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. You've just listened to part of our show. Is there anything you're wondering about? Do you have a question you need answered or a thought to share? Maybe you have a story you'd like to tell. Call into BYU Radio during one of our talk shows and chat with one of our hosts. The number is 855-CHAT-BYU. That's 855-242-8298. We'd love to hear from you. Just call 855-CHAT-BYU. Good afternoon, I'm Katie Jarvis with Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio News. Lance Armstrong has been forced to withdraw from a swimming competition this weekend because he admitted doping as a cyclist. The International Federation for Swimmers raised objections to his participation in the meet at the University of Texas, in which he had entered three distance events. The international group said officials at U.S. Masters Swimming need to recognize the World Anti-Doping Code and bar Armstrong from competing. Well-known film critic Roger Ebert has died. He was 70 years old. Ebert was diagnosed with thyroid cancer in 2002 and had surgery for that. He lost his chin and the ability to speak, but he later resumed writing full-time and eventually even returned to television. Ebert was known for his thumbs-up, thumbs-down TV reviews that influenced moviegoers across the nation. A large drugstore chain is expanding the reach of its in-store clinics beyond ankle sprains and sinus infections. Most of Walgreens clinics will now diagnose, treat, and monitor patients with some chronic conditions that are typically handled by doctors, such as diabetes, asthma, and high blood pressure. Search crews have rescued an 18-year-old woman who has been missing for days in a Southern California forest. The girl has been missing since Sunday night after setting out on a hike with a 19-year-old friend who made a 911 call for help that night. He was found in very serious condition yesterday. In world news, NATO issued a statement today declaring that an American F-16 fighter jet has crashed in eastern Afghanistan, killing the U.S. pilot. NATO said the cause of yesterday's crash is still being investigated, but initial reporting indicates that there was no insurgent activity in the area when the plane went down. South Korea's defense minister says that a long-range North Korean missile is being moved to its east coast and is, but is not capable of hitting the United States. Amid continued escalation of tensions, viewers of North Korea's official Twitter site say it appears to have been hacked. And that's the news. I'm Katie Jarvis with Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend here talking to you today about first impressions. We've learned a lot that some of our impressions are just, you know, instinctive. They're natural. They happen within two seconds of meeting somebody. All of a sudden, you just have this really weird gut feeling. And I don't know what it is, but man, that guy should not be wearing a cape. And um, all of a sudden, that impacts how the data you pick up and all of that information. Now, we want to flip it to the other side. So there, there's some benefits to this. And part of that, again, is the early warning detection. We, we, we learned 
you know, I guess over years of uh, evolution or whatever happened to create this inside of us that we need to be safe and protected. So a first impression helps us create safety for ourselves. But I want to bring on Bev Flaxington. Now, Bev is a human behavior coach. She's a national speaker and a marketing and sales expert and is also an author. She's written a best-selling book, Understanding Other People, The Five Secrets to Human Behavior, and she's also written other books as well. She's an adjunct professor at Suffolk University um, and teaches leadership and social responsibility. Bev, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. Really happy to be here. Good to have you. I mean, this first impression thing, it's, it's kind of interesting because there's the automatic benefit of knowing that, you know, I've, I've got to pay attention to this person and I can quickly categorize them as safe or unsafe. But we can also take our first impressions and judgments way too far, can't we? We can. And, you know, I, I often uh, want to even refrain from the word of judgment because judgment does imply that we're, um, you know, putting a stamp on somebody and saying this is, this is who they are. Yeah. I, I think it's really, you know, it's really more that I, I call it the filters, Matt. You know, we have these filters that we've developed over right. the years based on our experiences. And it's more that we, we make an analysis, let's say, yeah. <laughs> and we come up with our view. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but it's just a filter. That's a great way to look at it. It's, it's, it's not a perfect filter. In fact, it's a biased filter. It is a biased filter. And the trouble that we get into, and you know, we've all had this experience, right, where you meet somebody or somebody introduces you and you have this immediate thought, either I don't like this person or, oh, I think we're going to be fast friends. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, fast forward a few months, a few years, sometimes even a few weeks, and now all of a sudden you see that person differently. So how can that really be, right? Right. If you think about it, we're just not objective. We're continuing to filter all the time. Yes, this is good. No, that's not good. Oh, I like that about this person. Oh, people like that are always like this. So, yeah, exactly. But we, the scary thing is that we don't realize that we're doing this. We think we're being objective. Well, that that illusion, and I that's one of the things I actually had drilled out of my head getting a doctorate, was that the concept of objectivity, it's a great myth. It's a great illusion. But even how you put together your studies, even how you approach the assumption of something, it's going to create a, a, a bias. Exactly. But it's being aware. You know, so there, there's nothing really, quote unquote, wrong, right? We all right. do this. Yeah. This is how it's almost like in order to function, you have to sometimes, you know, make a snap decision or, you know, we learn certain things that so we have a reaction. So it's not that it's, quote unquote, bad in its entirety. It's just that we're so unaware of it, Matt, right. and we think we're objective. So we get into these, you know, you and I go out and we meet somebody and then we're you know we're driving back and we're arguing over was that person nice no you saw yeah. what that person did how can you say they're nice that's i think where if we would just at least own the fact that no we can't be unbiased we're not objective and allow the person sometimes to reveal themselves a little bit more to us i think we would save ourselves a lot of trouble oh, in relationships absolutely and just stress in having to try to figure it out i mean what if we just went in with the assumption that i just really don't know them I don't know anything about him. Let me just stay open and gather more and more and more information. How do we know when we're taking the judgment to f- uh, and making an unfair kind of a judgment or an unfair interpretation of someone? 
I think that the the line I, I call it the the trigger that when when somebody gives us a reaction enough that it triggers something in us. So we we actually do lose our ability to be objective in the way we respond or so it's an emotional trigger. Either we shut down or we get angry or we, you know the eye roll uh-huh. or but there's something that goes on with us. And if we can learn to understand what those triggers are, we can often learn to say, what triggered me? You know, what happened right now that triggered me? And that's where you start to see, hmm, you know, am I putting this person in a box? Am I painting them a certain way? Why is this triggering me in this way? So if we could learn to be a little bit more self-reflective yeah. and pay attention to our own triggers, that's how we're going to get that information that says, well, wait a minute. And, and both good and bad, Matt. I mean, sometimes we're making an assumption that a person is trustworthy and great and we're going to right. get along really well with them. Yeah. But it's just seeing that trigger where we're ready to emotionally jump in somehow. It's, it's, it's a crazy thing. And um, a lot of times if you're too trusting, it might be that very same problem, huh? Where I've just automatically categorized somebody good because, or or as a positive, healthy person, because they share my religious faith, or they're from the same state, or they go to the same barber. I mean, it can almost be anything can also set us up to maybe not be realistic and, and actually be hurt. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, uh, being from the Northeast, uh, you know, we're all supposed oh. to be really, really nasty. Yeah, and you're like a, oh, here. you're from the Northeast. Say no more. <laughs> I've heard about you guys. <laughs> so I always laugh because I say, well, you know, it's funny. I mean, I hear these things about us, but so right. far I haven't met anybody that fits that mold. But yes, and you know, that's really the funny thing about people, too, is that none of us like to be uh, grouped. We don't like to be categorized. We don't want to have somebody say, oh, you're one of them or what. Really, none of us as individuals like that. And yet, if we think about it, we do do it an awful lot to other people. Oh, my heavens. Isn't that, I, it's, it's really for simplification purposes, isn't it? Isn't it just the human brain's way of trying to limit our choices and narrow things down to an easy kind of binary yes or no? Good, bad, uh, fast. Yeah. You know? an overload. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, if we had to, like, really figure everybody out, uh, we'd be in a world of hurt. Instead, I can just throw you in a category. Oh, oh, yeah. You, this is your first job? Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> you know, what's so unfortunate, though, is the truth is, though, because we do it, we do miss so many opportunities. And, you know, and I would say we miss so many opportunities to learn. Yeah. Um, so uh, my feeling is, you know, if you are going to be in relationship with someone, and I agree with you, we can't do it all the time. There's not enough time in the day. But we do, I think, owe the people in our lives that are somehow important to us yeah. a little bit more of that. Let me listen to you. Let me observe. Let me understand. Rather than, you know, the jumping in and saying, oh, forget it. You know, I know what you're all about. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Oh, don't don't even say it. I know right where you're going. Um, it's uh, this and you can just see how this gets so deep into our interpersonal you know, relationships, our marriages, our kids. You know, once you've caught a kid doing something naughty, now he's naughty. And now you know next time what he's going to do. So you're kind of saying it's really our most important relationships where we, if we're going to master this or even 
improve upon it, we really ought to at least focus it on our, our most important relationships. Well, I think so, and because I think you really do want to think, what do I really want here? You know, do I want to be right? Do I want to jump to judgment? Do I want to catch someone, or do I really want to understand? And, you know, I, I tell the story a lot about my teenage daughter, you know, on Facebook, mm-hmm. and you're supposed to be off at a certain time of night, and, you know, night after night, you're late, and so the tendency is to just go in and be ready. You know, I, I could start to say, this is a disrespectful kid. This is a kid that doesn't listen to me. This is a kid that doesn't care. And yet the other side of me could say, you know, this could be a kid suffering with some real social issues and feeling like that's the connection and maybe losing track of time. And so the interesting thing is we can look at a situation and the truth is we can frame it up differently. And I think for our close relationships, we do have to think sometimes, what do I want from this? Do I want to seek to understand what's going on? Hmm. And I might learn that it isn't something I like. I might learn that, you know, there, there is something going on I need to address. But rather than, you know, storming in and just feeling like, oh, I know what you're up to, um, it's taking a little bit of that step back to think, what do I really want to get out of this? What I really want to get is knowledge and understanding about what's going on, not to, you know, come in and put the hammer down. Right. Yeah, I call that the vital sign. So when you, one of the signs that you're probably in a negative interpretation of something or someone is when you come in with those reactions you're talking about, that angry, ready to pounce kind of thing. Those, that's a sign that you're probably not interpreting them wholly. I love that, the vital signs. That's a great way to think about it. And if you pick it up, the vital sign, then we can start to treat it, right? We can't treat something until we know the vitals. I love that. That's a great way to think about it. But, you know, I think everything we're talking about here, it's just self-awareness is so important. Yeah. It's really hard because oh, we that's want the, hardest the other part. to be the problem. Oh, and it's so much easier when they're the problem. And, I mean, because, like, for example, we know the Northeasterners are the problem. <laughs> we and for the rest of the country, it's a lot easier to keep that thought alive than to actually have to change and realize that we're all part of the problem. Right? Although sometimes we don't even know what the problem is. Hold on. Is there a problem? Because we haven't got to the problem yet in the West Coast over here. Hey, let's do this, Bev. I want to take a break, but come back. And when we come back, I'd love you to give us some tools to kind of fix some of this and to to kind of slow down that, that initial jump to conclusions, that initial first impression, and find a way to maybe make a better impression that might create more hope, more openness, more self-awareness. So stick with us. Bev Flaxington is joining us. If you want information about Bev, you can always go to my website at matttownsend.com, and we'll have a link to her website there, or just go straight to her site, www.thehumanbehaviorcoach.com. We'll be back right here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. The latest new invention down on the farm is self-heating chickens. We'll give you the straight poop on how it works. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Tria Systems is a small company with a big idea for poultry farmers. Farm-raised chickens are raised in large barns which need expensive heating in cold weather, usually from bottled gas. Tria System uses the chicken's own waste products to generate most of the heat required. 
When you raise a lot of chickens, they generate a lot of waste, which is usually stored in some kind of shed for processing. The natural breakdown process of this waste works like a compost pile, generating heat well over 100 degrees. Tria Systems captures this naturally occurring heat using recirculating fluid and underground pipes. The warmed fluid runs to heat exchangers in the chicken coops and back out to the waste storage unit. Combined with solar thermal collectors on the barn roof, the poultry operation can be self-heating all winter long without any additional heat source, except the chickens themselves. The waste eventually winds up as fertilizer for crops, some of which may end up as chicken feed again. Such cogeneration projects are models for more sustainable agricultural operations down the road. Or across it. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, my friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're wrapping up our uh, discussion on first impressions. We currently are talking to Bev Flaxington, the human behavior coach. She's a national speaker, best-selling and gold award-winning author. She knows her stuff, and you can get information about everything she offers at www.thehumanbehaviorcoach.com. You can also find um, links to our site at matttownsend.com if that's easier to remember. But, uh, Bev, welcome back, and thanks for helping us with this. Oh, I'm happy to. I do think that this is a, it's a big deal. It is. And, I mean, we know that you and I, we don't have this problem. But everyone else in the world, they're all messed up on first impressions, and then they just they use them to beat everyone else up. What is wrong with these people? I don't know. They're just messed up. I wish they would just if they if we they could be more like us, Bev. This world would be a much better place. You know, for us. I will say though, you know, the the longer that I have been doing this work, though, Matt, I I do find that. There are many fewer people that irritate me. People just really interest me. I mean, it's yeah. just really interesting to learn what is going on with this person or what, why are they doing that or what is that about. And I think, you know, you do start to see a little bit more of the yeah. humanity of yeah. people. And you become more – I think it's because you're almost taking this – your your goal isn't to judge. You're, you are actually taking a position of, wow – Fascinating. These, that's that an interesting thing. Exactly. It's almost more like a scientist, like, I, look at that frog. You know, if you went out, like, on a nature walk with, like, a true, you know, biologist, they would be fascinated by everything that we're stepping on and scraping off our shoes. And But it's the same thing with, I guess, us. If, we, if you love the study of humans— but but that's what you're saying, though, is if we shift our mentality to be one of understanding or and, and, and improving a relationship or improving our thinking instead of judging someone or dismissing them, it, it, it leaves us more open. Well, it does. And, and I think if we think about and, and we are all guilty of this, there's no question, but there is an aspect where if I you know, I put someone else down or I say, well, they're not so great because of this or that. In some way, that's bolstering me up. I mean, right. I think that's really what's underneath a lot of it. Um, but, you know, the, the, the truth of the matter is when you extend that, 
I don't know, call it compassion or willingness to be open or whatever terminology you want to use. Head in the you sand. Know, that's, that's what people that? call it. That's when you're putting your head in the sand. Yes. You're not even being real. They're crazy. And you're trying to be open. That's not good. Yeah. And I mean, I, mean, I think when you are willing to be open or listen to them, people really respond to that. Yeah. And the, a connection gets forged. And I don't know, you learn things. Yeah. I, I think it, it is a fascinating study. Well, and we want, I mean, that's the basic human need, right, is we just want people to just get us. You don't have to judge me. You don't even have to love me, but just let me just be. Don't put me into a box I'm not. Well, and there's a, I learned this years and years ago, and, and it's something that saved me many, many times in neuro-linguistic programming, which is, you know, branch of hypnosis and really about how to read people. But mm-hmm. they have a theory that they call assume positive intent. Yeah. And the idea being that, well, one's behavior, sometimes I say the intent is positive, the delivery may be negative. Yeah. So you think about, you know, those people out there who have children, right? So a child acts out. And I remember my daughter sometimes when she was in, you know, some of her worst states. But then when she was in a more cogent mood one day, she said, you know, Mom, the only reason that I act out the way I do is because I'm looking for some attention from you. <laughs> and it was just, you know, such a wonderful vignette yeah. of positive intent. The delivery was really negative, but the intention is, I really need you, and I want you to pay, and I don't know a better way to ask right now. And that's the truth with kids, but I think it's the truth with a lot of adults, too. I think you're right. Well, and I think to have to have your child explain that to you, what kind of human behavior coach are you, Bev? I always say, fortunately, that's many years ago. I know, isn't I, I that great? My, my oldest has been my best teacher. I know. The other two have cut me much, much more of a break. Don't, don't you love it when your kid comes up and says, ooh, you're fat, or whatever they say to you that's just such a kid thing, or ooh, you're, yeah, you're, your face looks funny. Um then you have to learn. But it's, it's, it's really is this teaching, this learning process. But what you're saying, though, is this doesn't mean everyone's perfect, and it doesn't mean that there aren't people around you that, that, that don't make a horrible first impression or that aren't really offensive. People can still be offensive, and you can still give them the benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. You know, I think that if we were more aware, you know, not everyone does have our best interests at heart. And there are people that can be hurtful to you and that can do things to you. So I don't say, you know, the word put on rose colored glasses, right? We're all going to sing Kumbaya. I mean, this is really about being more aware and paying attention and paying attention to, you know, what, what someone's saying, what they're doing, and just being more watchful instead of so reactive. Active, so triggered by it, mm-hmm. and I think we lose, we give up our personal power when we do that. So this approach, I think, allows us to retain more power and, but also, be able to be more in relationship. So win-win. Exactly, and you end up also being um, so present that you can maybe pick up new things, new ideas, new concepts, new learnings, new ways to improve something. So you don't have to keep living in Groundhog Day with the same thing over and over again. 
Well, and that's the other thing that, you know, if you think, too, uh, we get into a groove with someone. So let's say it's someone that knows us or we know, Mm -hmm. and they come to see our behavior a certain way. So every time Bev does that, this is what's going on. Every time Matt does that. And and I think, you know, it it takes work, but we almost want to even give those people who are close to us an opportunity that just because they're doing something familiar, the intention might not be the same. So the why, I had a client one time say to me, I think you're, if we boil down your philosophy, it's that you're trying to teach everybody to be a three-year-old because <laughs> I want people to say, well, why? Well, what's going on with that? Well, what's underneath that? You know, yeah. you're not taking anything on face value. You're really trying to dig and understand it. So that's a lot of this is why, what's happening, what's going on, instead of just taking what we see on the surface. Well, and the fruits are huge, aren't they? I mean, then all of a sudden, we don't have to be in, con- in, a, in a contention and contentious and, and be arguing. I don't have to be your enemy. I can actually have room to be your friend. And we can deal with this paradox that we may see things differently, and yet we can still like each other. It just allows the space to deal with all of the other complexities of our lives. It really does. And, you know, the truth is that if we were all the same, it really would actually get pretty boring. Oh, boy. (laughs) Seriously. Can you imagine what that would be like? I don't know. I mean, if they were all like us, maybe it would be okay. Well, I know, but then everyone would want to sit in the lazy boy. And every all the Cheetos would be sold out. I mean, eventually we'd have problems. It's going to get us. So, Bev, help us with this. We got a couple minutes here. Um, what is the one thing? Okay, the one thing that is the big thing. If we if we could really only do one thing to make sure we're we're making better interpretations of another person's impressions, first impression. Um, what's the one thing that makes the big difference? I would say the one thing is anytime you hear yourself in your head or to another person putting something that sounds like a label, this person is something, fill in the blanks, without really being able to explain what is the behavior behind what has led you to that, or questioning yourself to say, could it be something else? So when you're so affirmative that you know this is what it is, that's when I say you have to move into what I call interested observer mode hmm. and be a little bit more like the scientist with the frog and say, I need, I need to learn something here. So you really want to listen for what you're telling yourself, what you're saying to other people, and when you've just got that you know, factual, this is what it is, or this is what this person is about, that should be the warning sign that says, you know what, I need to learn a little bit more here. Love it. Great advice, Bev. Really great advice. And again, they can find you at thehumanbehaviorcoach.com. You got great stuff there. Blog. You're now blogging for Psychology Today as well. They can get your contact information and even buy your books if they want to do that. Bev, thanks so much. I appreciate it, Matt. Great conversation. Thank you. you. I'm going to send you a frog. I would appreciate that, but send me the magnifying glass, too. I will. I'll get you both. I'll even send you a biologist from Suffolk University, too. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bev. Good night. Take care. Really good stuff. I I love this concept. Um, it's, it's already hard to be human, right? 
we've got so much going for us, I guess, in a way, when you think of how far we've come with all this cell division from a couple of cells to what we are today. You know, we, we ought to we ought to applaud that. And we all get so caught up in something that is so in our brain that I don't think most of us even realize it. Half those emotions that you feel so confident about, you don't even know how you got them, I promise. Now, you think you've got a story attached to it, but when you have these strong emotions about other people, it doesn't mean you're right. Just because we have super strong emotions doesn't make it accurate. Time and time again in my office, I have couples come in, and they are so convinced the other person doesn't care. Or they are so convinced that the other person is just a jerk, and in reality, their behavior seems uncaring, and their behavior might be a little, you know, like a jerk, but in the end, there's other reasons. There's other things going on. So whether we make an impression or not, it's going to be natural. Whether we want to or not, it's going to happen. But just because we have an impression of another person, I'm going to challenge you to open up your doors of your mind a little bit more, let more information in so that we can actually not just have an impression of someone and a judgment that we go with. Let's also make sure that there's a little bit more authenticity to what's going on. Let's make sure that we give people a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. I promise when we open those doors up and we let a little bit more information in, it, it, it proves some incredible things um, to be power. It, it creates some really powerful results. I always give a story about a person, you know, that that was that was hurt or injured or in, injured somebody else in a drunk driving accident, and um, or any kind of an accident. And all of a sudden, we immediately have this reaction to what they did, and we're mad and we're angry, and it's so hurtful. And what I found is, if sometimes we could just know the story behind the story and see the pain of people that have been abused that still end up hurting others, there's some peace there. And I don't need you to do it. So, I mean, people still need to be, uh, you know, they still need to go to jail. They still need to to have repercussions for their action and behavior. And they also, uh, we don't need to carry it. So the best way to let some of this stuff go is to create a healthier view of other people. That's the challenge. Go out and uh, let's start more positively interpreting one another. Let's start noticing our interpretations and our impressions. Let's catch them a little bit earlier. Thanks for joining us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. If you want more information or any of the, uh, you know, kind of the links that we gave you today on the show, go to matttownsend.com. You can pick them up there or check out my Facebook page. This is the show. We'll see you again tomorrow talking more good stuff about uh, your life and your relationships right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.